There's also an action, there's a verb, which is to bring up a child with care and affection and give birth to. All right? So I want you to hold those definitions in your mind as we go through the rest of our conversation together. So if you go to the next slide, I don't know if you can see these images. Squint if you need to. I'm going to come out here. I'm more comfortable as a professor amongst the people. So if you look at these images, just call out what you see. It's okay. We're going to have like class today. What do you notice? Multi-generational children. Say it again. Yes. Affection, smiles. How do the women and the babies look? Happy. They look super happy. Would you all agree that that's the, pot, the overwhelming emotion that you see? Okay, so see, this is interesting. As a little girl growing up, this was primarily the image of motherhood that I had. Right? Yes. Everybody is, is smiling. Everybody's happy. Everybody is clean. <laughs> there are no attitudes. Right? How many of you want to bet that there was a little bit of a kerfluffle on the way for me getting here this morning. <laughs> and I was like, okay, the devil is really a liar. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, <sighs> everything falls out your purse. You have maybe an interaction or a disagreement about what kind of music should be played in the house with the children, those kinds of things. But like I said, those were not the images that I had in my mind when I thought about motherhood. If you go to the next slide depicts sort of the images of motherhood. Now I'm revealing my age. Does anybody know who these people are? Who, who is the woman the, by herself? June Cleaver. Does anybody, Mrs. Cleaver. Anybody remember the show Leave It to Beaver? Yes. So what you'll notice is that June Cleaver has on a perfectly ironed shirt. She has on an apron. She has a string of pearls. How many of you wear pearls when you cook? Oh, okay. And she has this sort of model pose. Do you see that? She, does, she, she doesn't necessarily look happy, but she looks like she's anticipating the picture would be taken. Like she has it all together. And so, can I just put the mic right down here? Because I want to just, so in my professional life, I study appearance. I study the way that people present themselves. And one of the ideas that came to me literally just this morning, as I was preparing for this, was the, the image of motherhood that I had reminded me of something. Okay, so this is how, th ooh, can I even get my feet in here now? Because these are some old shoes. Okay, 
So I'm just gonna put that on you. Aren't these shoes bad? <laughs> so, so look at these shoes. I'm not gonna put both of them on because I might fall up here because when we get further into, but I'm literally gonna have on this shoe, right? I'm gonna, I'll put it right up there. What this shoe represents is the image that the world tells us we're supposed to be. Pulled together, royal pearls, flashy, and when I say flashy, what I mean by that is we're visible to others as having it all together. All right? Then you look at the other image. Who's the other image? The Brady Bunch. And who was the mom there? Carol Brady. Now, she had a brood of children of her own, and then she inherited them. She was typically smiling, happy. And when I looked at that, what was interesting is, is while this was the image of motherhood, as I got older, I sort of felt unworthy. Because I'm like, there's, I don't even know if I want kids, period. Do I even want to be a mother, right? Then I saw someone who was a little bit more like me on the next slide. Somebody a little bit more I could relate to. Who is that in the image? That's Claire Huxtable. And the reason I could relate to her a little bit more, she's black, but she was also an attorney. And I've always known since a young age that I wanted to work. But at some points in my life, working in motherhood seemed to be at odds. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? You, I actually felt guilty because I had aspirations and desires, right? So fast forward to when I become a mother. And I'm no longer wearing these little shoes. Okay. Can you switch to the next slide, please? What do you notice about this picture? I needed to switch from my flashing shoes to... You are. Okay. So what do I have on my feet? Can everybody see? Flip-flops. I have flip-flops on my feet. Why would I why would that be a representation of the what do you guys see on this image first of all? Stress. What else? Exhaustion. Why why are the mothers stressed and exhausted? Misbehaving children. Okay, can we dismiss Sunday school now so we can get real? <laughs> No, just kidding, children. We love you. We love you. Okay. The, the reality is, when I became a mother, so I was married in 2000. We had our first child in Atlanta when my husband was a professor at Morehouse College, and I was a consultant. So again, I'm working full time. And I decided to become a stay-at-home mother. And I admire stay-at-home mothers, but I don't see how y'all do it. Because I can tell you there were honestly times where I would be at home, my husband would go off to work, and I would cry. Because I was now home alone with this baby. And I'm supposed to feel excited and connected and in love with this baby. And it hurt to nurse. My husband would bring Kennedy to me and I would cry at the prospect of nursing again because, can I say nipples in church? My, my, 
because my nipples were cracked. Sometimes they would bleed. And that is so honest. There were days where I did not know how I was going to shower. Hint to new moms, you can put them in the little bouncy chair in the bathroom with you. Hopefully you and I would have the shower curtain or the glass, looking at the glass, looking at the baby. But there, seriously, there were, a, there were a couple of days where I didn't shower. The house was a mess. I had vomit on me. His poop was in my mouth before. Yes, I know you're like, how does that happen? It happens. Okay, poop in my mouth. And I'd like to think I'm relatively attractive. That's who my husband married. But he comes home, and unbeknownst, I love my husband. This is, you know, this. But he would innocently ask, where's dinner? He cooks for the most part, but I'm a stay-at-home mom now. Right? So go back to the June Cleaver slide. Just go back a couple of slides, if you can. Or am I jacking y'all up? Okay. Look at, the, I did not look like that when he came home. <laughs> in any way, shape, or fashion. Because I was really struggling. And actually, some women have postpartum depression. Yes. Right? So this is something that as Christians, we may not want to acknowledge. Right? We are spirits in a natural body. And when you have a child, there are hormones and chemicals that are coursing through your body. And just like you would go to the doctor if you couldn't quite see to get glasses, if you're experiencing postpartum depression or something like that, mothers, I encourage you to go to your medical provider and talk about it. It is okay. Right? Okay, you can fast forward to the, the stress slide. So my husband would come home, and he would ask for dinner, and then go to the next slide. This is sort of how I would feel. <laughs> I cannot say the words that we know. Everybody know who this is? Florida Evans from Good Times. If you go to the, if you hit the, the slide one more time, this is how I was feeling. My life literally felt upside down. Okay. Can anyone relate to what husbands? Is this a surprise to you? Exactly, I should say fathers. Is this a surprise to you? No. New fathers. Any new fathers out here? They're afraid. Yeah, any fathers to be? Any fathers to be? Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> okay. So, the reason, any mothers to be? Any women who don't have children yet but would like to? Okay, I really encourage you to listen to what we're saying because the enemy will use anything that he can to trap us, to condemn us, not to convict. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about shaming and making you feel guilty. Okay, so if you go to the next slide, the question that I have for you all is, which one is it? Which view of motherhood is accurate? Is it this dreaming, romanticized version of motherhood? Or is it drowning in motherhood where you need help? What do you all think? Let's just do a survey. Is it both? It's both? It's both? 
And so the issue is, this, this was a good idea when I didn't realize I was going to trip. Okay, so the issue is, how do we reconcile this? So of course, we're going to turn to the word. All right, so if you could go to the next slide. Okay, so when I was at home, oh, now I feel really bad, Bishop. Thank you. Okay, so thank you. I really don't. So biblical examples of motherhood. So I was talking to one of my girlfriends about presenting or, or preaching to you all today. And she is one of my girlfriends. We're the same age. She, she has not had children. She's been married for nine years. She's tried a variety of fertility treatments. And she said to me, you know what? I get it. Motherhood can seem stressful. You have vomit on you, but I pray for that vomit. So this is a question that she and I came up with together. If we dream of motherhood, what happens when it doesn't come easily? So what I'm trying to do with this question is cover those of us who do and don't have children yet. Right? Because you could be a mother who's to be, someone who's praying, someone like Hannah. She was childless for so many years. She's getting older. Women, our bodies go through changes as we age. At some point, you think it is just dead. The womb, the insides of us that God created to biologically and physically nurture another human being, a baby, you can feel like it's shriveled up and dead, right? But Hannah, what does it say? But after much prayer became mother to Samuel the prophet. And because she was so grateful for the blessing of her son, she dedicated him to the Lord. And she would bring him a linen ephod, which was symbolic. And after Samuel, she became mother to three more sons and two daughters. And you can find the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel. Okay? Then we have Elizabeth. She was the mother of John the Baptist. John the Baptist who baptized Jesus. She was Mary's cousin and she was a godly woman who, she was old. I mean, I can tell you right now that if I were to become impregnated at my age, I would think it was a miracle. And she was much older than I am. Okay, that's in the book of Luke. So these two women are not just examples for women who are childless, but want to have biological children. I also want us to look at Hannah and Elizabeth as examples of women for when your children might not be acting the way that you think that they should. <laughs> right? If you're dreaming of a different way or a different pathway for your children, what do you all think we should be doing? What do these women provide examples of? We're praying, right? And we're going to get a little bit more into the scripture in terms of some of the things that we can be praying for. Can you go to the next slide, please? Then we have Sarah. We can actually go to the next slide. So 
If we're dreaming of motherhood, and this is a very simple message, we're going to be praying and we're going to keep Hannah, Elizabeth, and Sarah as examples in our mind, right? But what if we're drowning in motherhood? What if we feel overwhelmed, right? What if we have children and we don't know how we're going to be able to cope? Now, I have a love-hate relationships, relationship with Proverbs 31 woman. Because when we read through the scripture, we will all see she's sort of, I mean, is she superhuman? That's how I used to perceive her. She's a little intimidating. I'm not easily intimidated. I read Proverbs 31. I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this, all this. Okay. So, but this is King Lemuel's mother giving him advice on how to identify a wife. But as I read through this scripture, it talks quite a bit about motherhood as well. Okay, so let's just, I I literally want to take the time to do this. So a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings some good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. Next slide. Thank you. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hands, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Wow. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction in her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Okay, I'm tired from reading. So what did you all notice? What, what, is the, what does the virtuous woman do? How does this relate to motherhood? Everything. You see, what, what things, say it. She adds value to her children and her community. What other things pop out to you all? She fears God. What else? She laughs. Isn't that interesting? She laughs. It doesn't sound like she's laughing at people. (laughs) She's laughing because, what else? She's a woman of impact. But are there any women in here who feel like they are unworthy or don't measure up to this example? Just... All y'all lying who don't have your hand raised. So I can just say, I feel like I'm a project. I'm on a journey. 
But when I look at this, it can be intimidating, but it also gives me hope. Right? And why does it give me hope? It gives me hope in part because here's a woman. First of all, I, want, I really want us to look at this. She did, she did amazing things. She is an entrepreneur. So I was excited to see that in the scripture because I was like, okay, well, maybe it's not a sin if I work. Because remember, as I got older and wanted to work, I thought that that was a, a, a sin that was out of the question. I had to be a stay-at-home mom, never work, not have a career. And I know pe people may be looking at me like I'm crazy. You have to work that out with your husband and with your family. But the fact that it was a, there was a biblical example of a mother who was doing this was very inspiring to me. She speaks with wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? Wisdom comes from the word of God. So this Proverbs 31 woman must actually spend time in the word. One thing that it talks about is that she does not eat the bread of idleness. Now, I'm a little bit guilty of this because one of the things that I like to do when I feel stressed or overwhelmed is do what I call withdraw. I'm like, I need to go take a bath. I need to go watch some TV. Is that idleness? Is it okay for mothers to take a break? How long should that break last? <laughs> As long as you need it, okay, you need a year. <laughs> so the, I'm bringing up these issues because there's a difference between idleness and taking a rest. I've done both. I have definitely been idle, lazy, looked at the house and saw something that needed to be taken care of. Even maybe a child was crying. I'm like, I can't deal with it right now. I'm just going to be honest. I go into the bathroom, close the door, and sit down and relax. If they're not bleeding, it is all right. However, however, there comes a time where you still have to go back and serve as a mother because your children need you, right? Your children need you. But the thing that's important is that we recognize there comes a time where we may need to Go before the Lord and ask him for help. Can you go to the next slide, please? So one of the things that I think is very important as moms is that we be holistic. What does that word mean? That word means complete. So I think that you can be an effective mother when you're wearing the shoes, the bright pink shoes, right? Maybe that's authentic to you in that moment. Maybe there are times, though, where you have on the flip-flops and you're barely making it by, and that's authentic. Both of those can be effective representations of mothers. But we don't have to let either one of them constrain us or confine us, right? So encourage yourself with biblical examples of motherhood. I can tell you that when I'm feeling really unworthy and like I don't have a lot of value, one of the things that is very helpful is for me to look to the word, but also to my sisters in Christ. I don't know how many women here have prayer partners of the same sex. 
I'm sorry, I don't, I don't agree with, well, sorry, I think you can get into temptation when you have some cross-gender prayer partners. But there's a group of five of us, we get together and we pray and we talk about issues like motherhood. We talk about being silent. We talk about going to the word. And we lift each other up and encourage each other and give each other a break and tell each other it's okay to take a rest. And or sometimes you might need to kick it up a notch, okay? The other thing is, and related to another key person, is the father of the child. Communicate early, often, and respectfully how, to fa- how the father of your child can help. There was a time when, when I was younger and watched my mother raise us, my father went to work and he provided money, which we needed. We had a very nice lifestyle. But my mother, she would come home and she would cook, she would clean. And when I say clean, I mean hands and knees on the carpet, scrubbing out the stains, cleaning the silver, washing the curtains, ironing the sheet, yes, ironing sheets ironing my father's clothes, ironing our clothes. So she had, to me, to me that's what motherhood and, and wife do. And, and for me, the two things are, are entangled, and I know that they don't have to be for everyone. But when I met my husband, one of the things I let him know was, this is not how it's going to be. <laughs> and fortunately, I mean, my husband had on his list, because we went to a church that encouraged us to write down a list of the traits that we wanted in our husband or wife. And one of the things he wrote down was, I really want a wife who will allow me to cook. (laughs) And I was like, well, I guess you can have that. You can take care of that. You can do that. You can can do that. But the thing is, is motherhood is, it's a role. Remember, it's a noun and it's a verb mother is. And so roles are something that you negotiate. You figure out how to navigate. And what may work for one mother and one family might not work for another mother and another family. So I guess what I'm trying to really say with this point is that you all, we need to communicate. We need to talk to each other. And most importantly, we need to talk to our father. Okay. Finally, children. Wow, we love them. We love them. We love them. Sometimes they tell us they love us, right? They do. One of the things that I think it's really important is that we teach our children how to be thankful. Because if we go back to the image, you don't have to, but if you, sorry, if you go back to the slide of Florida Evans, the stress and everything. What is so interesting to me, so, so my daughter and I, sorry Chase, my daughter and I were having some difficulties last week. Sassiness, she's my child. I mean, she has a mouth. Sorry, she's, okay. And the, the back talk is something that when I, was a, when I was a child was absolutely not accepted. You, you would have, I mean. 
you, 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 yeah, you just, you, you, didn't, you didn't do that. But my husband said something to me that was really important. He was like, I, you know, basically, I think for you to be the most effective mother that you can be, you're going to have to get rid of the image of the mother that your mother, not get rid of it, but not constrain yourself to the kind of mother that your mother was. And that was very liberating because what I'm able to do now is chew up the meat and spit out the bones because the bottom line is if I tried to raise our children the way that I was raised, I would be in jail. And, and I, was not, I was not abused. I was not abused. But if you tap a child on the butt or pop them in the lip, which I used to get popped in the mouth quite a bit, <laughs> all right flash dance I still see you that's my nickname from Mother Green is flash dance because, did you guys see her when she got up here and shouted yeah so she can really dance okay is sexy mama here yeah, okay she's not here that's, <laughs> okay but so it was very liberating because literally I would be in jail Seriously, and that's all, all things aside. But I think that there's a principle where children honor and respect their parents. And so thank God for the fact that, so I, so I sent a message, we may send a message to our spouses, okay, you need to get the kids. I can't, I can't handle them right now. But sometimes maybe technology doesn't work and that doesn't get through and God works it out instead. So we're having challenges we're sort of, you know, sitting, you can tell sort of how relationships are going by how close people sit together. That's for, it's the same for husbands and wives as it is for children, honestly, when they get a little bit older. And we were sitting far apart. And then Bishop started to minister. And my heart softened. And Chase put her head on my shoulder. Do you remember that? She's like, no. She put her head on my shoulder. And all was well with the world. And to me, what her head on my shoulder said was, thank you. Thank you for being my mother. I'm not an easy mother. I'm not a perfect mother. I'm not even always a nice, I can be mean. I can be mean. And what I mean by mean is I can use words that hurt. I can physically withdraw and not give affection when it's necessary. And I'm sharing this with you not because I think I'm a horrible mother, but because I think most mothers can relate to at least some of what I'm talking about. And I think until we are honest and authentic and transparent with ourselves and pull this out, we're doing this. Okay, sorry. Plug. Sex meetups every Wednesday, 730. <laughs> we're talking about, seriously, as women, we're talking about sex. We're being authentic and transparent because I think just like the enemy can use sex as bondage, he can use motherhood. Believe it, the gift of motherhood can become bondage. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves. Can you go to the next slide for me? So I wanted to leave you guys. Okay, okay, okay. So this is, do you guys see where I get the flatness from? Okay. <laughs> All the way on the end in the black. Do you see my mother? <laughs> do you see her in her black outfit with her shades on and her silvery gray hair? So everybody, people who've complimented, people have asked me if I dye my hair. Gray, because you know that's a fashion thing now. No, I get it from her. So the reason I wanted to share this picture with you is because this is my mother who raised, we were raised by our father and our mother. My sister's not in the picture. But this is my mother, her oldest daughter, me, 
and all four of her grandchildren in one picture. And my mother did the best that she knew how. I did not grow up as a Christian. My mother is now a believer, and she prays. And the good thing is, is that this picture symbolizes what we were just talking about in terms of my mother has sort of evolved, right, from this woman. My mother used to wear makeup to the gym. <laughs> Pearls. People would stop her on the street. They thought she looked like Nancy Wilson or Claire Huxtable. They, really, they did. They thought she looked like Felicia Rashad back in the day. And so she had to work through a lot of those ideas and ideals about what motherhood was. But now she's someone who I can actually call and talk to. We still, we still have our challenges. I mean, my mother, remember, she used to pop me in the mouth. So she can look at me even now at 45 and I'll stop talking. So, so she can, yeah, there, it, it is possible to get me to stop talking. But this, was a, this is one of my favorite pictures because it shows God's promises of generation. My mother has been through so many things in her life, but through prayer, maybe of her mother or someone else in the community, another mother. Because again, our family does not come from a Christian background. She now has, she can, she's seen to the third generation. And I just think that as mothers, we need to keep that in mind. You have no idea whether you have biological children or not. When you're praying for the children in your community, for the children of this church, you have no idea the effect that you could have on their lives. Okay, so... Any questions? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, so I really hope that this message has been encouraging. I hope it's been authentic. I hope it gives you something to think about. Um, the slides can be made available because there's many, many more scriptures that are at the end of the presentation because I wanted to provide you all with information that you could read and reflect on at a later date.